13 years now since I served as interim here. Can you believe that? 13 years. You know what that means? It means I'm 13 years older than I was then. But I got news for you too. Uh, Last night I looked through one of the old directories of Westminster First to kind of refresh my memory. And uh, there are a lot of you that are 13 years older too. (laughs) I can tell. Uh, Well, you know... It was my first interim after retiring as director of missions and picking 12 miles of station. And um, what a place to begin an interim ministry. I had several after here, and of course, I've done a good bit of supply over the years. Uh, but uh, I talk to you about you. I really do. I tell people about Westminster first a lot. I couldn't have begun my interim ministries any better place than right here at Westminster first. Uh, some of you are aware of the fact that my wife, Frances, uh, after four, 54 years of great marriage uh, and a great pastor's wife, she passed away uh, last September 3rd, was a year ago. And I want you to know how much I appreciate your thoughts and prayers. This has been a difficult year. Uh, in my ministry, I have done over 350 funerals. But I tell you something, even though I've always sympathized and empathized with those who have lost loved ones, it takes it to a whole new level when it's your own spouse. And uh, it's been a difficult year, but God is gracious. You never get over it, but with God's help and God's grace, you get through it. And thank you very much for all your concerns and your prayers. Today, appropriately so, I hope, I want to preach a message on the joy of coming home. This is homecoming day. I want to talk about the joy of coming home, and our scripture is actually found in three places. Uh, First, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, one verse, verse 7. Deuteronomy 32, verse 7. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Remember those days of old and consider the years of many generations. Then we turn to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Then one other scripture in the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 10, beginning with verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. 
And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the matter of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more, the more as you see the day approaching. May the Lord richly bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Did you hear about the little boy that came home from school all excited and he said, Mother, the teacher has asked me to take a part in the school play. And the mother said, Oh, great. What speaking part do you have? And he said, Well, she didn't ask me to speak. She just said when she motioned to me to clap and cheer. (laughs) Today is a day for Westminster First to clap and cheer. Why? Why? Because it's homecoming day. And it's a day when we are going to look at our spiritual home and we're going to talk some about it. Uh, You know, whether you are a visitor, come back this week, today, because of the fact that you once belonged here. Or whether this is your spiritual home where you come every week. Whatever, it is a day to celebrate our friendships, but also to worship God, and we must not forget that. So today I want to talk about three words that I think describe what a joyous homecoming should be like, that is in addition to the fried chicken and the desserts. What should a homecoming be like? First of all, A homecoming is a day of joy because we have the opportunity to come together and remember. Now, remembering is a biblical idea. Uh, In our first text there in Deuteronomy chapter 32, Moses spoke of the days of old as he spoke to the congregation of Israel. He said, remember those days. Consider the years of many generations. What, Moses, what the author was saying, what Moses was saying was, just remember what God has done for you in the past. How he led you through 40 years of wilderness wanderings in the desert after he delivered you from slavery in Egypt. Just remember those things. Uh, but moreover, in the New Testament... Jesus, as he was getting ready to go to the cross, and as he celebrated that last supper with them, uh, told his disciples to remember. uh, To remember and to do it, why? In remembrance of him. Because the bread and the fruit of the vine would always remind us of the terrible price that Jesus prayed by shedding his own blood on the cross for our sins. So today, we do a biblical thing when we remember. We sing, as we did a moment ago, to God be the glory. Great things he has done. He certainly has done great things for you and me, but he has also done some great things for Westminster First Baptist Church. Just think of it. Now 187 years old, still going strong, as the pastor said. Just think of the many hundreds, perhaps thousands, 
who have come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior right here through the ministry of Westminster First Baptist Church, who have confessed Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Maybe you even did it right here at this altar. Think of the many dear saints who have blessed your life and many of them now gone on to be with the Lord right here in this church. Maybe the best friends you ever had are members or have been members of Westminster First Baptist Church. Some of you were married here. Maybe you don't want to remember that. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. But some of you were married here. Uh, Some of you uh, were visited by the members of this church uh, when you were sick. Uh, When times were tough, these members stood by you. They prayed for you often. Think of this spiritual lighthouse. This church has been in this community for 187 years, upholding the name of Jesus Christ who saves the sinners. Well, why is it important to remember all that? As someone has said, memory is hope. In other words, the reason you remember what God has done, it gives you the hope for what you believe that God is going to do in the future through this great church. And what he is going to do will be even greater than what he has done. So we live today not by fear, but by faith. Faith in the great promises of God. Paul Powell, in one of his little books, uh, wrote about the ministry of the church. He said it's threefold. First of all, you bring them in. (laughs) You bring in the lost. Secondly, you build them up. You disciple them. You teach them. And then you send them out. And so it is that this great church has been doing that. Uh, We believe that this church will continue to bring in the lost. Win the lost at any cost. We believe that this church will teach believers to be followers of Jesus Christ as we build them up. And then we believe that you'll be encouraged to be sent out, some as missionaries, maybe to foreign fields, but all in this community, to share your testimony and to share the gospel and tell the good news about Jesus Christ. So this is... A day of joy because we have an opportunity to remember. To remember what God has done and what we know He is going to do. Secondly, this homecoming day is a day of joy because we have an opportunity to come together and to reaffirm. That is reaffirm our love for this church. Jesus said in our second text there in Matthew, upon this rock I will build my church. Whose church? (laughs) Not your church, but Jesus said my church. And then in Ephesians 5.28, Paul told the church, he said, um, 
Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Not only did Jesus start the church, he loved what he started. He loved the church. And in 1 John, like a tapestry of truth running throughout that little letter, John keeps saying to the church over and over, Little children, love each other, love each other, love one another. Who is one another? The church. The church is made up of you, me, God's people. You see, the whole group of one another's is what composes the church. We pray for one another. We bear one another's burdens. We edify, that is, we build up one another. We forbear, that is, sometimes we just even put up with each other, you know. Uh, We are kind to one another. We forgive one another. We comfort one another. We exhort and teach one another. Now, the truth is that not everybody loves the church like I do. Not everybody loves the church like you do. Uh, Some say that the church has gotten more interested in saving itself rather than saving the world. Some say that the church is full of hypocrites. Some say that the church has given way to routineness and sameness and boredom. It's just boring to go to church. Years ago, there was an article in Decision Magazine that talked about one church, how it was so boring until the pastor yawned during his own sermon. <laughs> you know. Well, uh, did you hear about the little boy that uh, was sitting in one of those boring churches one Sunday? The pastor was preaching this intellectual discourse on some abstract subject. And he squig- wiggled and wor- squirmed and everything and just, you know, for a little while, patiently, best he could as a little boy. So finally he'd had all he could take. And it was so boring. So he looked up at his mother and he said, Mother, are you sure this is the only way we can get to heaven? (laughs) Well, some say the church is boring. Uh, Some say that the church uh, makes more appealing by trying somehow to change its message. Oh boy, we see that, don't we? We see churches all over, like the first church in Greenville, you know, who's changing its message. Uh, Because some churches are getting more wedded to the culture than they are winning the world. They're becoming more like the world instead of being set apart. Uh, The church still needs to preach about sin. The church still needs to preach that sin stinks and there is a Savior who saves you from that sin. But while some criticism of some churches might be valid and a lot of it not valid, I'm here today to tell you why I love the church. First of all, I love the church because... My Lord loves the church. Ephesians says, even as Christ loved the church. 
Now, if I understand it right, if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm supposed to love what Jesus loves. If he loves the church, I love the church. If he hates sin, I hate sin. If Jesus believes in the church, I believe in the church. Also, I love the church because it gives me a great place to worship. To worship the God that I love. I need that. Don't you? Uh, The uh, Ebenezer Baptist Church in Kansas City has this motto. Wake up, pray up, sing up, preach up, pay up, and never give up. (laughs) Never let up, back up, or shut up until the cause of Christ is built up. Oh, I know, you can worship God at home. You can worship Him in the kitchen or even on the golf course, I suppose, or uh, at your desk where you can. But I love the church because it gives me a special place. It gives me a special place where I can pray up, sing up, preach up, and even pay up (laughs) as a part of my worship. And when I come to church to worship, it encourages me to never give up or to let up or to back up or even to shut up for my Lord. Worship in the church with other Christians makes a difference in who I am. It makes a difference in what I do. It prepares me for the service that God instructs me to do. It encourages me from God's word for the life that I live every day. Thirdly, I love the church because of the good news it offers. It was in the church where I first heard the good news that there is a God who loves me. There is a Savior who died for my sin. I heard that I could be forgiven of of my sin no matter how big it was or how little that sin was. That I could be forgiven of that sin no matter how long I had committed it or how many sins I had in my life. I could be forgiven of all of that. It was in the church where I first heard amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It was in the church where I first heard that I could go to heaven when I die. I heard about how Jesus gives me a new master, how he gives me a new morality, a new mission in life. I love the church. Fourthly, I love the church because of the lessons it teaches. The psalmist said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see, it's in the church where we get the instruction from God's Word. I learn in the church through the instruction of God's Word what I am to do in life and not to do in life. I learn how to walk for my Savior and how to talk for my Savior. I learn what the Bible says about what is right and what is wrong. Rather than what people say. Even 
rather than what the Supreme Court of the United States of America says. The United States of America Supreme Court says that marriage between man and man and woman and woman, same-sex marriage, is okay. God says it's wrong. Whom am I going to believe? Am I going to believe the Supreme Court or am I going to believe the Bible? And so it is that I learn in church through the teaching of God's Word what is right and what is wrong. And so I challenge all of us to read it, heed it, believe it. Fifth, I love the church because of the sweet fellowship I find there. What do we find in this sweet fellowship? We find strength during the times of temptation. And everybody is tempted. Our Lord was tempted even in every way as we are. I think it was J.B. Phillips who said that as long as we're in the world, we're not without temptation. The temptation is making us aware of our own bad possibility. But I find strength against temptation through my fellowship and the reading of God's Word and the preaching of God's Word in the church. I find encouragement in the time of crisis. As somebody said, crisis is always knocking at our doors. As somebody said, the bumps will come. There are times in life, my friend, when you will have to live without the music. But as in the church, I find encouragement during that time of crisis. It is in my church, I find the encouragement of our friends to keep on keeping on through their prayers, sometimes even through their counsel. Six, I love the church because I know its future is secured. Jesus said in our text, even though he would die, his church would not die. He said, even the gates of hell would not prevail against it. You see, the church is one thing you can count on in this world not to go out of business. Large corporations may go out of business. Sears may go out of business. But the church is one thing you can count on to never go out of business. And it will be here alive and well until Jesus comes. So on this homecoming day, we have the opportunity of reaffirming our love for the church. But then last, homecoming is a joyous day because it gives an opportunity not only to renew our love for the church, but to renew our commitment to the church. Our commitment to the church. In our third text in Hebrews Chapter 10, it says, we should not ever forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That is a biblical command. If you are a Christian, you do not forsake the assembling of yourself with other Christians. Plain as that. Vance Havner was one of our great Southern Baptist evangelists. And he tells a story how his father 
never needed a revival. Uh, he was faithful to the Lord. He was faithful to the church year round. It didn't take some picture show or a talking horse, some religious movie or anything like that to get him to church. He did not have to rededicate his life every few months because he stayed dedicated all the time. You see, as he said, God never intended for his people to just to live in fits and starts. Always backsliding and always repenting. That's not what God intended. And yet, Vance Havner was a great revival preacher of our denomination. Why? Because he knew that most of us are not like his father was. Uh, We are not always consistent in our Christian commitment. As he said, some Christians have just lost their leap. They're no longer excited about being a Christian. You see, the truth is we can lose our love for the lost. Uh, We can let our attendance at church become spasmodic, even rare. Uh, There are certain sins which can beset us, certain temptations which can overcome us. The truth is we can lose our vision for lost humanity for the church. We can lose our vitality. We can lose our sense of mission, what we're all about. We can become, as Paul said, weary in well-doing. We can do that. And like the Apostle Paul, in one of his struggling moments, like he said, if we're not careful, we'll end up as Christians doing the things we ought not to do and not doing the things we should do. A church can even become satisfied with its status quo. Uh, We can become influenced by the culture. We can come to the point as Christians where if we're not careful, we'll think what is right is wrong. And what is wrong is right. We can become wedded to the culture rather than witnesses for Jesus Christ. And sometimes we just need revival. We need repentance, rededication, renewal. So homecoming. Today is a great time for us to sort of come home, sure enough. (laughs) Come home to God by renewing our commitment to the Lord and to His church. We must not only say we love the church, and all of us would say that, but we also must commit ourselves to the church. We must not forsake the assembling of ourselves together because of this reason. My friend, it is very difficult for you and I to stay close to the Lord if we do not stay close to His church. That's a fact. So, what a wonderful day. What a wonderful day at Westminster First because we have come here not only to meet friends, but we came 
in a renewed way, in a fresh way, to meet God. Now, we remember. We remember what great things God has done through this church. Uh, We reaffirm our love for the church, and we recommit ourselves to the church. You know, we are living in a different world, aren't we? If you're anywhere near my age and still living, (laughs) you know, if you're anywhere near my age, you are aware of the fact that the world that we live in now, the United States of America that we live in now is not the same United States of America in which you and I grew up. As the country song says, Georgia mules and country boys are fading fast away. It's a different world we live in. The world is becoming more, the nation is becoming more secular and less sacred all the time. And if there was ever a time when a nation needed revival, if there was ever a time when a nation needed a savior, not a politician, a savior, if there was ever a time that the United States of America needed a savior, it's now. And so Paul wished for the church at Corinth. And let us wish today that we would be steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that when we labor for the Lord, our labor is not in vain. Now, as we give an invitation this morning, there may be somebody here who needs to come back to God. You need to come home. Kind of like the prodigal son, you wandered far away from God. Now you're coming home. You're not just coming back home to your church, you're coming back home to God. Rededicating yourself, your life to Him. There may be somebody here who need to come home to God for the first time. You've never known the joy of being forgiven of your sin You've never known the joy of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and living for Him. And you need to come home to God. He has been calling you for all of your life. And then there may be some who are here that need to make Westminster First their church home. (laughs) You need to come and join this great church and get in on the celebration and get in on its ministry and all the good things that are happening here. And this, you know, you prayed about it and you know that now it's time to act. And the Lord is telling you, I believe Westminster Church is where I can come and place not only my membership today, but this is where I can come and place my life. So as we sing our invitation hymn, as the pastor stands here at the front, whatever your spiritual need is, If you need counsel, whatever, he will be here to receive you, to pray with you, and to help you, whatever you need to do in order to make that decision. May we stand together.